2013 has been a year of seismic change. Uh, AI has changed everything and it will flip the entire SEO industry on its head in 2024. Throughout the year, Tim, Jess, over here, and the ninjas worked on creating actionable marketing content that you can follow to scale your marketing. If you have questions about your marketing and you want them answered, then this is the forum for it. I'm Dale. And I'm Jess. And this is the Explosion Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. Now you'll notice that today we don't have Tim. Tim is taking a much needed, well-deserved uh, break as they get early starts of the holidays. Jess, are you prepared for the holidays? Maybe, mostly, mostly prepared. I think I'm getting there. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I, I have to say like, uh, normally I, I have a hard time taking holiday, but this year I'm very much excited to do so because I'm so enthusiastic about the return to work and the marketing that comes after it. So I'm kind of, I, I lo- I'm looking forward to the coming back day. I like so that. so much the holiday itself. I like that a lot. And it's definitely feeling like 2024 is going to be a big year for marketing. Absolutely Scout. huge. Are you feeling the same way as I am? Maybe. Yeah, maybe a little <laughs> bit. Maybe just a little bit. <laughs> Touch, yeah. Um, well, today we're going to invite you to leave your comments in the chat. So if there is, if you do have any questions about your digital marketing or just marketing in general, the landscape of SEO changing and being flipped upside down next year, then leave your questions in the comments and we'll go through them. In the meantime, I've uh, picked up a couple of questions that we can work through. And the first one is, Jess, should you use AI in your marketing? Absolutely, definitely. But it should never be used to do all of your marketing. I think this is um, maybe an assumption that we're seeing or a mistake that we're seeing where people think that they need to it's, it's all or nothing, right? They feel like they need to put 100% of their marketing energy into AI and use it to do everything. And that is a massive mistake. If you want to plummet down the rankings and just not connect with your target audience at all, then sure, you can do some AI marketing. That'll, that'll go down great. Um, but I think it can be a really, really helpful tool, especially for anyone who finds themselves doing a lot of brainstorming during the day and just kind of any of those times where you get a little bit stuck and you just need that extra kind of little creative boost, especially for anyone who works remotely or works on a small team, it can sometimes be hard to get that kind of creative feedback from other people. So it's really helpful to have AI there to to help out. I don't know if you feel the same way or if you have some a different take on it, Dale. Well, just today, I've been uh, having a little titters on myself, a little laugh. Unfortunately, the expense of somebody else um, when it comes to AI content. Um, so anybody who follows SEO will see that there was quite a big community kind of outrage just a few weeks ago in November about how much um, this one SEO consultant, I want to use that in, uh, in, in the things with my little in buddy. Commas. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, how they had done an SEO heist and they'd pulled the sitemaps of all these different competitor websites, pulled them into an AI machine and it had turned out like a thousand different um, blog posts and articles and what have They had absolutely seen for quite a while a steady increase in traffic. They've seen the increasing rankings and it's going fantastic for them. Now, talking about SEO heisting and pulling everybody else's content to regurgitate as your own, not the most ethical thing to do. And it turns out, they're starting to see the consequences of doing so. Wow. So the <laughs> SEO consultants are taking quite a lot of enjoyment out of continually sh- sharing uh, screenshots of the rankings for that particular website just plummeting, which is awful 
absolutely awful. I feel terrible for the business that they're consulting for. Yeah, this However, is true. Absolutely. I can't help but slightly love the fact that this is a very in-public case study of why you shouldn't put 100% of your content through, you know, use use AI for 100% of your content. Because this is quite possibly what's going to happen. Can you use it a lot? Absolutely. Jess, you were saying before about it's useful for brainstorming. What other ways are you using AI in your content creation or content production? Yeah, there's a bunch of different ways. Uh, before I jump into that, I just think um, it's kind of funny how the Chardonnay there is helping you kind of <laughs> learn and not make the same mistakes. Like even though it can feel bad sometimes when you're like, oh, I shouldn't be kind of laughing at this person's unsuccess. Um, sometimes I think it's a, it's a good lesson so you don't make the same mistakes. Um, but in terms of using AI in my own kind of day-to-day -day stuff, other than brainstorming, it could be quite good if I'm trying to say something in a different way. You know, when you like, you know how to say something, but it's not quite as straightforward as you might want it to be. I really love popping that in AI and just saying like, how would you say this differently? Or I'm struggling to write this for an, a younger target audience who might not understand these words or for a reading age of this. And it can be um, really, really effective for that in marketing as well. Really appreciate that side and being able to get that that other perspective, I suppose, really useful. Yeah, absolutely. That kind of sense check element of, if you were this person that I'm trying to communicate this with, do you think that this reads well? Like I've written this to be shared on social media or by an email and it's specifically for this person. Do you think that this matches what that person is looking for? Plus like for brainstorming too, you mentioned before, I think it's probably one of the bits I personally use it for a lot in terms of there's nobody in the room with me that I know of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> somebody who's underneath, uh, yeah, hiding behind a cupboard or something. Um, it's great to be able to just quickly bounce something off someone and just say, here's the five ideas I have. Yes. What would you do a little bit, you know, what would you do differently? Yeah. Um, and, and turn their, that feedback from whichever AI chatbot you're using and turning that into a new idea, which is similar to what we do in the, in our marketing meetings, yeah. um, especially with video, the video, um, now there's a video ideation session every month. We say, what are the things that you think we should be talking about in or you know, uh, um, covering in our next 12 weeks worth of videos. I'll, we'll each put a, a list down of things that we think we should cover, then spend a couple of minutes um, looking at other people's suggestions and then thinking, well, based on that, maybe I'll do this. So having that person immediately available as many times as you like throughout the day is fantastic. Absolutely. Emma, Emma's music. Yes, you do drop your questions here. So if you're watching us on LinkedIn or YouTube at the time of recording, and if you do want to catch up with the podcast as it's being recorded, you just hop over to YouTube, search for Exposure Ninja Podcast, and you'll be able to watch us every Tuesday. It looks like it might be 1 p.m. every week going forward, but we'll see in the new year. See yes. how this one this session goes. Yes, but yeah, do drop your questions in. Um, Emma's music has also left us a question. Jess. Where would you focus your efforts for a B2B big ticket item tech company with a small target audience? Oh, we love a small niche target audience. That's really, really exciting. Because even though when you hear that there's a small target audience, you feel like that really limits the places that you can you can market. It kind of does, but it means that you can put your efforts into the places and into the marketing channels that are really going to make you the most profit and reach those people. So I think one of the big things that we tend to recommend is find out what those that small target audience is searching on platforms like Google. Maybe they're all Bing users, but we'll use Google as an example for now. Um, and then making content targeting that, even if you've used a keyword tool that is telling you that there's no search volume for that. If you know, 
that your target audience is going to be putting those searches in, then you should be targeting that. Especially like you said, if it's a big ticket item, then, and you only convert a small amount of those people, you're still be going to be making money. It's not necessarily about getting ads in front of people who are going to make an impulse purchase. It's about meeting those people on those more niche niche, niche searches. Um, so I think Google is a really, really great place to start. Dale, where else would you say is a good place for a business like this to, to do marketing? Great question. I really love this. Um, with the big ticket bit is the bit that's kind of pulling my attention. And when it comes to big ticket, it tends to mean that there's going to be a decision committee involved in terms of, you know, unless it's the, the business owner themselves, and this may be the case, but let's say because it's a tech, uh, tech I am, I, I imagine here, there's probably going to be somebody else who needs to sign that off. So my effort would actually be spent on mapping out who is going to be involved in that decision and then communicating to those people via the best way to get to them. So for example, if I want to get something signed off for the marketing marketing team here at Exposure Ninja, I'm not only going to get my line manager's approval, I also need to make sure that um, the senior leadership team are bought in. If it's high cost, if it's like 10K, 20K, 30K a year, I need to also make sure the head of finance is, actually, is happy with that too. So I need to figure out, okay, well, where's my, where's the commercial director? Where are they hanging out? Is it on LinkedIn? Maybe, probably. Or are they somewhere else? Are they in a committee? Uh, sorry, committee in a community. Sounds the same, committee, community. <laughs> or if we have, if your company's big enough that you have a marketing operations person, go to the marketing ops Slack channel, in which there seem to be new ones opening all the time. Um, so I, I would double check who's actually included in the approval process for that. And even if it's a small target audience, that small target audience are going to have people who they answer to. Double check all, who all those people are and then figure out which are the best marketing channels to reach them. Yeah, definitely. Another thing I wanted to add as well is don't totally forget about your more classic marketing channels. Like I, I mean, this is a case of slightly poor targeting on this business's um, behalf, but I used to get adverts on YouTube for businesses who were selling like, cosmetic like big cosmetics equipment like laser hair removal but like for a beauty salon type thing and they were actually really well shot really good adverts but i was skipping them so i was like they're just not relevant to me at all but if your targeting is good then you can you know actually connect with those people even if you find creators who also cater to your audience i have been have noticed especially recently that i'll be watching youtube videos about let's say a game and i'll get an advert for that game before watching the video so there are opportunities to get as specific and as niche as that and if you know that there are some niche creators who specialize in your area and talk about that then you can advertise in front of their videos or even do things like collaborate with them and get them to mention you there's opportunities there as well it's interesting you mentioned about the influencer element of it because anybody who follows the news will have seen that yesterday some court or some you know business thing in the EU or I don't know where has forbidden or suggested that Adobe should not be permitted to buy Figma for however many years. Ah, uh, yes. The great thing for Figma is that they're going to get a billion dollars anyway, which is just awesome. Um, but one thing that nice. they've really used well, um, which you, you, you've been part of the video that Tim did earlier in the year, the Figma marketing research, which I'm going to ask yes. you a bit more about. Yeah, that. yeah. They used like influencers, a community and things like that. And I wonder if you could explain a bit more about how Figma does use influencers and how that may relate to, uh, to Emma's music. Yeah, so the Figma influencers are very different to the traditional sort of idea 
of influencers, right? They're not necessarily people who have a big following. They're just people who are good at creating. And what a Figma does is hire these people to then work basically full-time as content creators and create really good content using Figma, whether that's a quick tutorial for a designer on how to do something, how to make your text look amazing, but they're using Figma. Oh, Figma that makes this so much easier. It has that really organic feel and it's a really natural recommendation that's also combined with some learning and some education in there. So that even with Figma being a design program, even young designers or designers um, who are looking for a different platform are going to be seeking out that content whether they know Figma or not, or whether they even think they need to change design program. So yeah, there's definitely different ways that you can use influencers and you shouldn't be afraid to work with people who are just great creators. And another benefit of this as well is that Figma reuses that content on their own platform. So they essentially get free, not free social media content, but they get content that they can reuse on their platform that looks really natural and really organic. And then people look and they're like, oh, Figma posted this. Let's find out more about them. So yeah, there's definitely different ways that you can use influencers that aren't just finding somebody with a million followers and paying them money to maybe mention your product in a story. So yeah, there's, there's, and again, it's about finding those people who connect with your business and who are already attracting that small audience. Perhaps you can expand a little bit more on the difference between maybe a macro and a micro influencer and the different kind of levels that can come into it and how that works in this context as well. Yeah, definitely. So the figures for influencer numbers always change. And I think the the bar is always being moved, especially as people, you know, start to get hundreds of millions of followers. You know, what do you kind of call them? Um, but basically, there's the theory of micro influencers, which are creators that maybe have like under a hundred thousand followers. It really depends. This is what I mean. It can be, it's quite broad. Um, and these are the people who tend to be cheaper, but also tend to have a much more engaged audience and a much more kind of connected community because there's not so many people for them to kind of manage in a way they can really get that like one-to-one -one sort of connection. Whereas with macro influencers, you have a much bigger audience, potentially millions of people, but sometimes the same connection isn't quite there, but you're getting in front of more people. And if it's a really good product fit, it can do really, really well. So um, yeah, it all depends on your budget, but also the impact that you want to make. Do you want to work with loads of micro influencers and reach more people in your specific area? Or do you want to spend big bucks on a big creator because you know that the majority of people are going to want your product? And obviously, Emma, in your situation, there isn't maybe the need to go with somebody really big. It could just be somebody smaller. So, yeah. It's interesting you say about how rapidly you need the results in terms of do I want to work with, like, to spend big and get access to mm. a big um, audience that, you know, maybe only a small percentage are interested versus a small audience that is incredibly interested, they're power users, they're for, always the first ones there, they, you know, it might, it might be better to use those. It's not dissimilar to SEO and PPC in terms of immediate results and long-term results. Both can, you know, both can work or you can use both in conjunction to each other. I think that's what works best for the majority, if not all of our uh, client campaigns. It's a combination of everything, a good, strong marketing mix as well, orchestrated, well oiled especially in our ninjas cases, they're superb at that. Definitely. Yeah, you fantastic short-term results that then power and and lead into long-term results as well. So on the subject of SEO, there's somebody asking a question in, about 
um, how to target 100 plus towns and counties in the south of England. So the question here is from Roger saying, I'm a magician and trying to target 100 towns and countries in the south of England. Should I be targeting magician town or magicians near me or local magicians? I am currently focusing on. So there's a bit more uh, in here. Um, would you like to take this one? Or, or would you... I think I'm going to throw that to you, Dale, with your <laughs> a lot more long term experience in SEO and specifically <laughs> knowing a bit more about local SEO. But I think I might be able okay. to chime in with some of my own insights once, once you get the ball rolling. All right. Um, well, first of all, my suggestion would never be to just launch into doing hundreds of different um, pages and targeting different towns because the volume of work there is significant i tried to write hundreds of pages they're all different to each other so you don't have duplicate content issues when it comes to ranking is a mammoth task like it's going to take a long time you know backlinking is changing like the way that the value of it like it's still highly important and this is something that we build for our clients you, you know links are something you have to have to um have a campaign around and build them up but trying to do that at that scale it, again makes the, the project even bigger so it's entirely possible you can do that I think the better focus is to either start small, do really, really well in terms of ranking for a couple of places locally to you, do a couple of towns or you can do county, but just start with a small segment, do the very best you can with those. That will bring in business, which will then pay for more work to be done. You can outsource it, give us a call and we'll help you out there. Um, or, and I think Jess would be really good to talk about this, but in terms of looking at the searches and actually see that, maybe what you search for doesn't necessarily bring up the type of websites you expect and it might be you'd be better off spending your time on off-site rather than on-site yeah so i think it's very wise to type in what you think people are searching for and then look at what is actually appearing in the search results because sometimes you can think that people have that that's what people are searching for and you kind of assume that's what people are searching for and then when you actually look into it you see that every single website that's appearing is like lists or reviews or similar types of things so for instance if i was to type in like events in my area or events near me or like music events near me what's more likely to appear is a list of like a website that's compiled all the local events right so it might be worth finding ways to get yourself on local publications for example who are maybe doing a piece on kind of more niche businesses in your area um or you know niche kind of entertainment in your area there's even different situations like i don't know unique wedding entertainment stuff like that um that could be a different route that you could take that maybe other people aren't taking um, and it's also really important to have a look at who else is appearing for that search so it could be that other magicians who serve a similar area are um, sort of creating content that isn't necessarily the same as each other so for example if you've got a page that's about magician town something maybe there's something more interesting than just that you offer your services there maybe you could say that you're really popular in this certain area and you've done like six weddings there like people in x town love magicians at their weddings research shows and the research is that you've done six in the past year you know there's all these really different things that mean that you can still target those terms but you're not just copy and pasting the same information on every page so yeah i don't know if that was any help but, or if that's no, that kind of great. what you wanted from me, Dale, but. <laughs> yeah. 
I think it's going to be really interesting when SG, so the search generative experience, Google's generated AI revision of the search results. That's going to completely blow up next year. You're going to see websites dropping like 40, 50, 60% of their traffic potentially, or it could be nothing at all. But, you know, we've seen it happen in the past. Um, I think this is where a lot of manual verification is going to come into it in terms of doing what Jess said and going and searching for what people search for. Because what you imagine will be returned today as the design, it may be that map pack of like three websites where they are, where they are locally to you, may not be how things look in just you know a month from now, three months from now, six months from now. Like it's inevitable that this change is coming. Um, to learn more about it, I would go to exposureengine.com forward slash future dash of dash SG search. <laughs> I'll put it. I'll put it. Yes, in, yeah. In the, pop it in the. the pop it in the and channel. Can tell me sure. Yeah, and I'll um, I'll pop it. I'll start with the next question, which is from Paul Monday, saying, "Are business cards dead?" Which is kind of a specific question, and not totally a digital marketing one, but one that I think is actually a really, really interesting discussion because I think the conversation that isn't happening is what, why are they dying, and what should replace them. So I think just from sort of a consumer point of view and somebody that attends events, I do find myself often picking up business cards. But I would say if I'm at a convention and I'm at somebody's stall and they have, I've noticed more and more that people will have a QR code on one side of their business card, for example, and they'll like tape it to their desk or they'll even have a big QR code on their banner. And it's kind of an invitation to say, hey, if you don't want to take a business card because you don't want to take the paper away with you or you've got 100 already like you know I got a bunch of business cards at an event recently and I just binned them so I was like why did I even get these I definitely know as a consumer that sometimes if you're at an event and you're standing at a stall and you feel a bit awkward you just pick one up <laughs> that's just I'm just kind of speaking from from experience in situations where I'm receiving business cards um, and I've definitely seen an increase in you know people adding a QR code to their lanyard or something like that um, and I think there's potentially if you are attending events or doing something where you're frequently handing out business cards is there anything more interesting that you could put on it that isn't just your contact details so is there like some kind of lead magnet that you can be sharing with people like I know it sounds a little bit like I don't know a bit businessy but at the end of the day it's a business card like if you're just going out there to make friends just give them your number on your Instagram account you know but if you're actually out there to um, gain leads and that's why you have a business card this is potentially something something else that you could do there's also things to think about like you know obviously we're a digital marketing agency but we know there is sometimes still some value in you know putting flyers through doors occasionally and things like that but maybe if you are the kind of business where you know you are handing out a lot of business cards or posting them through post boxes really maybe you should be using something with a bit more real estate like a flyer where you can actually fill it like include a bit more information about you and you know share a bit more than just your contact details you can be quite limited with a business card but I don't think it depends on your industry it really depends on industry trends because there are a lot of industries where handing somebody your business card at the end of that conversation is the right move to make so you definitely I think it's really about your your specific industry and what the trends are like in there I don't know if you have anything to add to that Dale yeah I would say we've just come back from doing uh, two events um locally um not locally but um about marketing about digital marketing and they've been fantastic for us and i think that the reason they've been fantastic for us is because of two things one is that we've made them memorable that we picked something and talked about it with such conviction and really knew everything about it 
the, to the point where people immediately came over to talk to our representatives there to say, we want to know more about this thing that you just talked about. I think that's a great thing to do. It doesn't matter what niche you're in. There's something you could talk about that makes you stand out. And you, you know, if you use a bit of storytelling, you can create that memorable moment. The second thing is I've had this discussion with people over the years about I don't necessarily like the freebie stuff that people give away at conferences and events, stuff like that. I think there's, there's a, an environmental impact to you know all these like plastic things that people give away. Instead, I think that there are other impactful things you can do or give away that are actually going to make a difference to people. And in our example, we give away our book, How to Get to the Top of Google, to anybody who comes up and gets it. At some events, we just put them on every chair and everyone who every attendee gets a copy. That's more memorable than a sticker or a tote bag or something. There are there are tote bags I have, like from Pi Data Metrics and plenty of other <laughs> SEO or Martech companies. And every time I pick them up, I go, "Oh yeah, Pi Data Metrics." So I remember them. But it, that's that's useful for memory recall. But unless it's an item that actually you pick up re- regularly and you know is going to make an impact, most items will end up in the bin. So I would suggest just really thinking it through. If you're going to put a cost into something like uh business cards there may be something a bit better you could opt for instead but i think this also has a lot to do with where your business is and its growth journey business cards a small local meeting just a couple of people might be the best thing for you if you can you know if you go to a much bigger event then you you know your what you give away for free has to scale with that as well um so at this at this point that might be enough um jess we're 30 minutes in <laughs> we've had we yeah back. We can we cool. can stay on a little bit longer, so I I don't mind. I can go until. Okay, looking through the questions, are there any that you would like to pick up first? Yeah, I actually I know we already kind of talked a little bit about micro niches, but we've had another question about micro niches and how a niche that you want to target has no search traffic. And I also saw further down that it's to do with like mixing astrology forecasting with marketing. Um, I don't know anything about the search traffic for that or any of the kind of stuff that's out there but i would say especially if you're wanting to go into a oversaturated industry there are i think it is important to have some things that help you stand out from the crowd but i would also say it's not if there's no search traffic or it appears from tools that there's no search traffic or you're sort of creating something new it's really worth thinking about how you can test that idea and sort of setting yourself a time frame for you know whether or not that niche is going to be profitable like if after a year you've had no interest and you're really struggling to get any attention from that niche then maybe that means that there really just isn't a market for it but there's also other things you can do to kind of make your niche a thing and sort of get people talking about it and sort of coining a phrase or a term or a type of service that's very specific to you but you have to be willing to target some of those bigger search terms and just find ways to bring that back to your specific thing and sort of understand at the same time what people are looking for because if you're targeting i don't know local copywriter or something and then they land on your page and immediately you're like astrology they might think they're in the wrong place you know if you go straight into your smaller niche but if you can say you know from experience, combining these things together is really, really helpful. I've seen quite a few digital PR campaigns specifically that focus on star signs and astrology, whether that's like footballers, celebrities, that kind of thing. So I do think if you can, if you're willing to test it out, we definitely can't tell you right now whether your idea could be successful based on the information that you've given us. 
but it is really important to test it out and sort of find places that your niche fits into. Um, I don't know if you've got anything to add to that, Dale, in particular. Absolutely not. You handled that no, cool. incredibly well. That was great. Really insightful. Awesome. And we're starting to get a flood of uh, questions coming yes. from there. Are a few <laughs> ones I'd like to pick up. Um, so there's a question here about uh, Performance Max. So yeah. for, for those who want to, oh, you can't see me anymore. I'm up here. All right. <laughs> what are your thoughts about Performance Max campaigns crossing over search campaigns in Google Ads? So do you share a frustration that insights Performance Max campaigns are still quite limited? Um, I actually have two points to share on that. And they are the one, um, we had a fantastic uh, PPC podcast just recently with our head of PPC, which I would strongly suggest you go and listen to because I feel like you might get some of your questions answered in there. Um, so go check that out. Go to YouTube or go to our website, explosioninja.com forward slash podcast. And you should see uh ppc strategy 2024 that podcast should cover a lot of what you're saying there if not we actually are planning to do a performance max based video in the new year um fingers crossed we'll get all the yeah get all that um together and sort it out for you but if you do have questions and um, you can't find them in the podcast that we've already done or the video doesn't come through when you need hop on over to exposureinjures.com forward slash review leave your uh or slash contact get in touch with us ask your questions we'll get back to you as best as we can with an answer to that one because i think we've got some fantastic people who can help with that with more specific answers to to your question yeah people who work with it hands-on every single day and kind of know the bonuses and know the limitations and stuff the pros and cons so yeah definitely a great resource there's a fantastic podcast really really fun i would also suggest with the acceptable roas again go back and have a listen to that ppc um podcast if not, ping those questions over to exposureninjas.com forward slash contact and we will uh, get your response from our PPC ninjas. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Jess, are backlinks as important as they used to be? Heck yes, of course they are. I think it's also really important for, oh, there's so many different reasons why this is important. I think part of it is getting in front of the right people. So it's really, I think for a while, it hasn't necessarily been about how many websites are pointing to you, but the quality of those websites. But it's also worth making sure you're being featured in places where people are going to click through to your website as well like there's no point in having a backlink if nobody's going to click on it like okay there is a little bit of a point because it sends signals to google etc cetera, etc cetera. but if you're going to spend the time trying to secure that backlink it might as well be with a publication where you're going to get eyes on you um, i think people definitely can end up thinking about backlinks in the wrong kind of way where it's just about it's just a numbers game rather than ways that you can get a bit more traffic i think as well with google search generative experience which if you don't know is that ai um search that's likely coming in the new year i think getting those mentions in the publications that are being cited by google for certain questions sorry if you're new to sg this might sound a little bit confusing but we do have some really really fantastic um content about sg but it might be that it's really challenging for you to get featured in that ai generated response but actually quite easy for you to end up being linked in the websites that are being pulled from to generate that AI response. So they are still as important as they ever have been. I think it's a really, really great trust signal. When, like when you think about it, if you stop thinking about it as this word backlink and start thinking about it as what it's meant to be, which is building links to show that you're an authority, I think you'll start to understand that that's always going to be really, really important and really crucial. It's just the way that it's being approached. Don't know if you have anything to add to that at all, Dale. No, I think you nailed it. I think with linking, it's it's a tricky one. It's always been about quality over quantity, but sometimes you need a lot of quality, uh, a high quantity of quality links in order yeah. to make it work. I think, or I think, 
I have a strong belief that the power of a link should be through the likelihood that it's going to be clicked, that you want to be in the, the websites where people are going to engage and finally come through to you. The same as you know, mapping out your entire buyer journey, you want to be on those websites that people are going to eventually come through to you anyway and learn about your brand or what your business sells. And that those links are going to have way more authority to them. Just to have a link on somewhere where nobody's ever going to come, it, it's definitely good. It's good to kind of educate Google about what your business does and what your brand, who your brand is. That's fantastic. It definitely helps to kind of increase the amount of information in Google's knowledge graph. But a big factor has to be, is it going to get clicked at the end of the day? Yeah, I think that's really important. More questions in here. So um, I put an inquiry for a uh, point inquiry for my website is one at the top enough or should you put more down the page or are buttons to the contact page better jess yeah very very good question and really i think it's important to have a few different places where customers can engage with that contact form if you have one at the top already that doesn't mean that you need to put it like five times down the page you can include buttons on the page that take the user back up to the contact form so you're not really like having to ram your entire page with contact forms. Um, but I also don't think that just having a contact page is enough because I think it's great to just grab people in the moment. And I think it's important that it's relevant to the pages that it's on as well. Whereas if you're just sending people to a generic contact form from, uh, let's say you have different services and then they're just being sent to a specific contact page, you might have questions for them that sort of help qualify whether this is the right service for them or if they kind of need redirecting somewhere else. So it just gives them a bit more of a personal experience. And it can be a bit scary to call someone up when you don't really know anything. Like I've been looking to hire a mover recently and it can be quite scary calling up and being like, I have a house, I need to move. And they're like, okay, send us a video. And that can kind of be a little bit like, oh, I don't really know what I need to give you. Whereas if there was a contact form saying, hey, let us know, um, how many rooms you have, the furniture, a little bit about the furniture that you're moving, um, and stuff like that. That kind of offers a bit of bit of guidance. Whereas if, for instance, the same company was offering like waste removal, the contact form questions would be different. Um, so you, it's definitely important to um, to keep those things in mind. Yeah. The other bit I would add on to that is depending on the page, a form or some form of like call to action button or something may not be the only conversion opportunity you have so with it being a service page in this example this is rd van conversions somebody looking through um a rate page or or you know um a brochure like page or pretty much anything about you know with the different types of conversions you may do may still be in that really early or middle of the funnel i'm not entirely sure what it is i know roughly in my head what i want but i don't necessarily know i need some help by figuring it all out they're not ready to inquire with you yet. They're just looking to see what the service entails, how much it costs. So why not put a different course of action on there as well as like a contact us page, but like halfway down, here are the 10 best conversions that I did in 2023 and just make it like a kind of a brochure kind of thing. You know, you could put that behind um, contact detail capture and just give people an opportunity to see more, or it could be 10 things you need to know before you convert your van. And again, you can still pop in plenty of photos from your complete conversions and, you know, make it look as great as possible and help those people who are in still the earliest, what my options stage to have a better understanding of not only what's involved in the process, but why you should be their preferred choice of uh, a vendor. Um, questions. Yeah. 
Um, I just wanted to add on to that really, really quickly. Definitely think about like the things that might put someone off and the questions that people tend to ask first thing when you like pick up the phone to them or when they email you. For example, my biggest thing going back to the movers example is that I just wanted to be able to have a calculator where I could put in because I'm moving quite far the amount of stuff I had and the mileage, how much on average does it cost? And there is nothing out there. I have to ring everybody to get a quote. I'm a millennial with anxiety. I don't want to ring you. Let me fill out a form, please. <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah, it's just, and, and also like when it says, can you give me all your details so that we can ring you with a quote? I don't want to ring you. I just want to see if you're in my budget because I don't know if I'm asking for something totally unbelievable and I'm going to embarrass myself on the phone. You know, it's just, there's all these little things. And I think it's worth talking to people and being like, what could have made this easier for you as a customer? Like, what would you have preferred? And if they go, yeah, it would have been nice to get a quote and not had to call you. Then you have a great idea of the kind of things that is a barrier to entry. So, yeah. I'm going to take us into the last couple of questions. And yeah. there's one question that I have pre-saved uh, that I'd like yes. us to tackle about mm -hmm. focusing for 2024. Um, so there's one question here about, um, did a little, 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 no, that's not the question. Whilst looking for my first customers, what would you recommend for marketing myself at this stage? I have some clients I'm doing free work for now and no, it will help any advice for today. Um, I think this is a case of like, you have to market yourself and just show what you're capable of and you've got to pick the best medium for you. So you may be great with text or you might be better with images. You may be better with video. Pick something you feel completely comfortable with um, and then just go all in on that. But first understand who you're reaching, what your who your buyer is, where they hang out, what what their preferences are in terms of they like short content, long content, what have you. Just map it all out and then decide which types of content, which channels better best match, you know that that type of person. And yeah, personal branding goes a long way for business generation. Exposure Ninja was built off the back of Tim marketing himself and what he could do for businesses, and that has grown and scaled up to. 70 people now around the world yeah. <laughs> doing all stuff off the back of personal branding so yeah personal branding goes a long way yeah yeah i just wanted to say i think it's um really important to test stuff and figure out what works i always bring this creator up and have been recently i watched this youtube channel called the hoof gp he trims cows hooves and something that i've noticed going back and watching a lot of his previous content is how much the content has evolved over the years. I noticed he used to have very short form, straight to the point content where he'd be like, I'm at the farm, I'm doing my work. If you, by the way, if you do go to the Hoof GP, it is quite graphic content. So just heads up, but he would just show his work. Then I noticed in the middle, there was a time when he was showing like, oh, here I am getting ready in the morning and we're doing this, we're doing that. I skip it all, I don't care. And then he went back to that. And I thought, okay, he's tested it. And that doesn't just apply to video. This can also apply to different types of marketing that you're doing as well. Um, test things out, see what works for you. And yeah, run wild. It's something that's really exciting about starting a new business. And when it's just you, is that you can test these out and the consequences really only impact you. And you can try out a bunch of a bunch of different stuff. Um, yeah. That's great. So I'm gonna take us on to the last question before we okay. wrap up for today's session and for 2023. So Jess, what should a marketer's focus be in 2024? Oh, very, very excited. That's that's a big question, Dale. That's a big question. I think that SGE and AI is going to continue to be very, very big when you think about how far it's come this year alone and it's still in its beginning stages. Um, I think, but I think that brings us to a different question on how people are going to be searching. And I think anybody who uses AI themselves will agree with me that when I go to Google now, I ask 
more complicated, long-winded questions in the way that I would ask ChatGPT because I know what I want and I want to get that specific thing. And I actually get a little bit irritated when I'm trying to find something specific and the results that Google gives me are not specific at all, whether that's I'm looking for a recipe and it's just not giving me a specific version or I've searched for a vegan version of a meal and it gives me the non-vegan version. I'm like, that's unhelpful. So I think the way that people are going to be consuming information and searching for stuff is going to be very different. I think we're going to be moving into this real era of very personalized marketing. Finally managed to get it into two words there. It's going to be a year of personalized marketing where people are really, really looking for this personal, personal experience. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I thought it was coming. Um, yeah, I completely agree. I think the SGE, the search generator experience, is going to just completely flip the entire marketing industry, SEO industry on its head. This personalized search is going to be massive. Like just as of the weekend, I was doing some searching by ChatGPT by the, for- the voice version of it. And my daughter, who's four, wanted to get involved. And she, I just, at the end, just left her with my phone and she just kept asking uh, ChatGPT questions. And I noticed that there was a shift in terms of natural how people traditionally will search google versus natural language like she was trying to figure out what's the best way to ask and put the words in which order but but chat was figuring out what she meant no matter how she did it so she she was becoming more natural in how she was speaking and chat would just adapt to it that's how search is going to be eventually this natural language search of people saying just typing in what very specifically what they need and being much more specific and getting a much better tailored and personalized result. I always give the, the, uh, the, this is really funny. So like in 2016, 2017, I went to a local, um, conference called Turing Fest. It's fantastic. They talk about tech and marketing and branding and all that kind of stuff. And somebody there who I really respect was talking about how they were searching for, uh, the best, um, what's it called? push chair for someone who is athletic and does running and stuff like that at the time they had to be really cons- like really have to figure out exactly what to write we're getting to the point now where somebody can type in i'm looking for a push chair that is for somebody who runs five times a week can handle these distances can have uh, interchangeable wheels for off-road and on pavement and you can search all that you know type all of that in eventually we'll get to a point where it's all voice search guaranteed voice search is eventually going to be the thing but it gets to the point where people are going to start changing their habits and searching in that way. And you as a marketer are going to have to figure out if that's what are my searches going to be doing in natural language? How do I optimize my website for that? Which is something our ninjas are already doing in a fantastic app, by the way. So make sure you request a marketing review, uh, expressioninjas.com for slash review. But that's where I see next year going. It's going to be the initial steps towards that. SG is going to come in and change everything people are going to change the way they search we've been searching the same way for 20 years best marketing agency and then exposure ninja pops up it's going to be much more specific best digital marketing agency for a us-based law firm that's trying to expand into a new market uh, with a speciality in seo and content marketing well our agency is going to pop up because we're great at that but that's how people are going to start to change <laughs> their way they search and again every marketer has to be prepared and start putting in that research and learning time now in order to adapt um as soon as possible because it's coming it is yeah and you actually um, reminded me of another point that we've been talking about quite a bit in our sge related content which is if sge is just going to give people the answer why would they go to your website and you really need to think about that the answer to that question too why are they going to come to your website is it because 
you the way that you write stuff is just really awesome and inspiring and people want to hear from you or is it because you really have that experience that people want that they can't get from a generic answer um so I think you really need to consider that too and be like okay if people can get this answer from search why will they come to our website and that's not a defeatist statement it's an exciting challenge statement of things that you can do it's not they will never come to your website it's just that you've got to find new ways to bring them there absolutely just to extend on that point even more because I have so much to say on this subject. The branding element of all of this is going to be massively important. The people are going to be searching and perhaps their entire shopping experience will be just within Google search. People are going to search for which is the best electric bike. They're going to see a brand mentioned a few times in positive reviews. Well, all those views have been either naturally, organically done by people who've bought the products or they're going to have been orchestrated in terms of like nurtured, not forced but nurtured those reviews by doing outreach and you know, speaking to influencers, speaking to, you know, understanding where people shop before they get to your uh, website to make that purchase. Having a massive brand campaign around that and making sure that people understand who you are, what, what you offer, how you differ to your um, competitors and that you look fabulous is going to be a massive part of, of SEO going forward. You can't rely on getting people, you know, you will still be able to get informational search and, and what have you in, onto websites, but let's just assume that Google steals 60% of that and it's all in that environment. We've got to make sure that people have positive vibes about your brand and that's going to be done through digital PR and uh, and a lot of off-site content creation, content uh, work, video, influence marketing, you name it. That's going to impact how people see your brand and then go on and search specifically for your website for the product that they want definitely yeah yeah i think that's that's going to be a huge thing i think the way that people behave on search and what they seek out on your websites are the two main things that are going to be that we need to focus on in 2024 so don't expect things to be the same as they are this year because that's just not going to be the case one bit if you think you know you don't <laughs> <laughs> spot on Super, well, it's been a lot of fun, Jess. I've uh, missed streaming with you. And uh, if you are listening uh, via the audio recording afterwards, uh, do come over to Exposure Ninja and search Exposure Ninja podcast. You'll be able to watch these live every Tuesday, roughly at 1 p.m. Uh, UTC. So yes. thanks, everyone, for joining us. Yeah, and we'll thanks, see you Jess. again on live on YouTube next Tuesday. Not next Tuesday, because that's Boxing Day. In a couple of weeks, when it's not the holidays, we'll be back on Tuesdays over on YouTube. And of course, you can catch up with us on your favorite podcast platform spot on take care everyone bye See you soon bye